Attention everyone, this is an emergency broadcast. The unpleasant noise you are about to hear coming from your radio is not a mistake. Please do not turn off your radio, but turn up the volume on your receiver as high as it can go so that you can make the sound we broadcast as loud as possible. The monsters will now start attacking Tokyo. You may wish to deny it, but your eyes tell you it's true. Sound. I'll turn up the sound so you can hear the monsters dueling to the deck. And welcome to episode 244 of the Kaiju Cast, a podcast 100% dedicated to Godzilla and all of his rubber suited foes. My name is Kyle, and this is the fourth episode of August 2018 and our Daikaiju rediscussion for Godzilla vs. Biollante. We'll be getting right to that discussion in a minute. First up, we're going to hear a track by Koichi Sugiyama called The Psychic Induction. Once again, class, it is time for our Daikaiju discussion. Every month, the Kaiju cast takes a look at one particular film from the giant monster landscape and tasks the listener with submitting their thoughts, questions, and reviews for the following discussion episode. This month, we are re-examining the 1989 Godzilla entry, Godzilla vs. Biollante, or Gojira Tai Biorante. The pronunciation of that monster's name is sort of something that's sticking in my craw recently because... I heard Japanese people pronounce it as Biolante. I've heard American people actually say Biolante. And now I'm just sort of like, well, I don't know what to call it. So I know that in the original dubbed version, I heard people say Biolante. I also heard Biolante, but whatever. Anyway, we're going to go ahead and move on. We actually covered this film in our first year of the discussions back in episode 17 of the podcast, and I recorded that episode at an anime convention called Anime Oasis, so none of my home-based co-hosts here have ever gotten a chance to voice their views on this cinematic beast. Godzilla vs. Biollante is the 17th Godzilla film in the franchise, and one that took some time to get off the ground. If you consider that the previous film, The Return of Godzilla 
or what we know as Godzilla 1985, which was essentially relaunching the Godzilla series. That film was released five years earlier. This new Godzilla series seems like it's off to a rocky start, right? So Toho did a little bit of market research, and Tomiyuki Tanaka, the producer who helmed these movies, who basically spearheaded all of the Godzilla movies, all of the science fiction movies at Toho pretty much until his death, he took all this market research and these comments from the fans and decided that they needed to make a new Godzilla, but he was going to change the direction of the franchise based on this feedback that he got from Godzilla fans in Japan. Toho held a story contest where they got 5,025 entries, then they whittled that down to 15 finalists, whittled that down to four finalists and three alternates, and one of those stories was basically the original treatment for Godzilla vs. Violante by Shinichiro Kobayashi. Kobayashi was a dentist by trade, but he had actually done some work in the uh, television science fiction realm. I think he wrote some stuff or created some creatures for Ultraman. But the original story of Godzilla vs. Biollante apparently spoke to Tomiyuki Tanaka. He wanted to revitalize the franchise, so he went back to Kobayashi and asked him to tweak the script. The original one had another couple of monsters in it called Deutalios. They were a mutant fish rat. And so Tanaka said, please cut that and tweak the story. And he brought in some of his own ideas and then uh, took that story back to Toho. He eventually hired a director named Kazuki Omori. Omori had never done any science fiction pictures before and actually had not even worked at Toho because while they were in the planning phases, Toho had some trouble with an idol film. And so Omori volunteered to be the director for this film called Women in Love. Koisuru Onatachi. He jumped on this because he wanted to learn how to make movies in the Toho system. And what happened apparently is he won Best Director Award for that movie. It did really well. And Toho then said, hmm, maybe it's more financially responsible of us to spend less money and less risk on these idol films and do a whole series of those instead of spending our money on Godzilla movies. But Tomoyuki Tanaka and Kazuki Omori both wanted to do this film, so they spent time tweaking it. Omori spent time working on the script. Tomoyuki Tanaka gathered his special effects crew and had his uh, conceptual designers start working up designs for Biollante and all the rest of the stuff in the movie. So essentially, in the five years that took place between Return of Godzilla and Godzilla vs. Biollante, things were in motion at Toho. So it wasn't just stagnant. They started planning in March of 1985, thought they were going to release it at the end of 1986, and then it eventually took them three more years. So the movie was originally released December 16th, 1989. The movie was released domestically here in America by HBO Home Video. I'm sure a lot of fans out there, like myself, have their original Godzilla vs. Biollante VHS tape with the beautiful Noriyoshi Orai artwork from the Godzilla poster on there. Come to think of it, I didn't realize this at the time, but I had already seen that artist's work when I lived in Japan. He had done the poster for King Kong Lives, which was King Kong 2 in Japan, and those posters were everywhere. But the artwork absolutely hands down one of the coolest looking posters for Godzilla ever made with the giant flower towering over Godzilla in the foreground of the poster. It's so, so beautiful. Anyway, let's get to some more details of the movie. The film apparently sold about 2 million tickets, earning about $7 million. This was an entirely new team of filmmakers working on this film, so they had never done any Godzilla before. The director was Kazuki Omori. It was produced by Shogo Tomiyama. 
Kozuki Omori and Kobayashi worked on that screenplay together. It starred a whole bunch of people who'd never been in Godzilla movies before, but there are some familiar faces in this movie, although it gets kind of a little time travely weird in a second, because while you would know Katsuhiko Sasaki from the Showa era films, Godzilla vs. Megalon and Terror of Mechagodzilla, the other familiar faces that I wanted to mention, this is actually their first film in the franchise. So number one, Megumi Odaka, who plays Miki Sagusa. Obviously, this is her first role in a Godzilla film. She comes back for King Ghidra, Mothra, Mechagodzilla, Space Godzilla, and then Destroya, finishing out the series as one continuous character, a first in the Toho series. And in fact, if you haven't listened to it, I actually interviewed Megumi Odaka in front of the G-Fest crowds last month, and that interview was just posted for the last episode, so check that out, episode 243. In addition to Megumi Odaka, another person that would come back again and again is Koichi Ueda. Now, Ueda does not play the same character in every movie. He basically shows up with a very small role or even just a cameo in all of these films. He's an actor in Japan who is a huge Godzilla fan, apparently, and he just really wanted to be part of the series. Koichi Ueda would not only be in every single one of these Godzilla films through the Heisei era, he even came back for the Millennium series, too. And come to think of it, I'm a little bit disappointed in Shin Godzilla that Koichi Ueda wasn't part of that movie. Another actor that you will see in the next film, Godzilla vs. King Ghidra, is Kosuke Toyohara. In King Ghidra, he plays Terasawa, the writer who creates the Godzilla book, but again, that's in the next film, not in this one. In this film, he plays the Super X2 remote control pilot who plays the Super X2 video game. Osamu Amasawa. Okay, and the last two people I will talk about specifically will be Masanobu Takashima, who is the son of Tadao Takashima, the Toho actor who was one of the leads in King Kong vs. Godzilla. He was also one of the leads in Atragon. He's been in a whole bunch of stuff. Anyway, so this is his son. He plays Major Shuo Kuroki in the film. And then the last person I want to mention has a brief cameo in the film. It's Demon Kogure who is now known, I guess, as Demon Kaka, but he plays the guy who shows up as the sort of like Elvira-style movie host that gets interrupted by Godzilla. Such a great, cool performance, and apparently the guy's a big Godzilla fan, too. Researching this movie was fun because I feel like there's a lot of stuff I didn't know even the last time that I watched this film. If you've never actually seen the Blu-ray release that came out here in the States, it's very, very well done. It's pretty much kind of like the best you could hope for because it does have some really great special features on it. We mentioned it, I think, in the discussion. There are some deleted scenes in the special features that are actually special effects shots that didn't work so well, so it was really cool to see them. Anyway, the last thing I really wanted to mention was that I've always wondered where the name Biolante or Biodante comes from. And because I've never been able to find any hard evidence about this, I thought I would actually let Ed Gojateski tell us what he found when he was researching Godzilla vs. Biollante for the commentary that never made it onto that disc. As written in Shinichiro Kobayashi's original story, the geneticist Shirinui gives his experiment the name Biollante, which he says is derived from an old Norse legend of a water nymph named Violan. I expect that this must be some kind of fictional myth that he devised for his story. At least I wasn't able to find any reference to such a character in Norse mythology. In the book Heisei Godzilla Encyclopedia, the author also cites a further origin for the name, claiming that it's linked to D-Day during World War II. According to the author, there's a story called The Falling Leaf that was written by a French author named Verlaine. 
In it, there's a line about a fall day on which the sigh of Vilan sounds very sad. This line in the story was supposed to have been used as secret code by the French resistance. The author says that this is where Kobayashi found the name to be used in a story. Once again, I wasn't able to find any reference to the story or the author in my research, but nevertheless, it's an interesting tidbit if true. I feel like I know some people that are really into Norse mythology. If you're a listener and you are into Norse mythology and you have any kind of reference to this violon, please send it my way because I think it would be really cool to like confirm that. Man, there's so much more I could talk about regarding this movie. I really think this movie sits somewhere in the middle of a train wreck and a perfect film. I feel like it's almost like I can choose as I watch it. I'm like, ooh, that's perfect. Ooh, that's a train wreck. Ooh, that's a train wreck. Don't do that. Ooh, that's perfect. The entire time I'm watching this film, so many perfect things happening. I love the fact that they brought in new blood. The special effects crew was just on fire for this particular film. And overall, I kind of understand why it was voted the top Godzilla film by fans in that 2014 poll. By the way, if you were unaware of that, I will post a link in the show notes to that news article talking about how people in Japan actually voted Godzilla vs. Biollante as the best Godzilla movie. Weird decision, I agree. Anyway, I think I've windbagged it up for uh, as long as I need to right now. Let's play the trailer audio from the Japanese trailer, unfortunately of Godzilla vs. Biollante, and then we'll jump right into the discussion. This is not a ゴジラ怪獣の猛威。ゴジラか。ヨランテか。果たして人類は生き残れるのか。ヨランテかゴジラを感じてるわ。ゴジラ映画史上空前のスーパーバトル。ヨランテが進化している。We have a full house here in the studio tonight with Gretchen. Hi. Dave. Hey, how you doing? Jeff. Hey, kids. And Charles is back. Hey, how's it going? Anyway, welcome, everybody. Yay. Everybody, welcome to uh, the Godzilla vs. Biollante. 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 I'm not it, sure. Let's call it by. Biollante is, <laughs> Biollante is what I grew up calling it, I guess. I guess came up in the Godzilla world calling it. Uh, 
So uh, we just finished watching the film, and I definitely, not only do I want to find out who had seen this before, I would also like to get a little glimpse, if you can remember, of like when you saw this in relation to the other Godzilla movies that you'd seen. Because for me, it was very kind of, like, it was an epic movie when I saw it. It had an epic impact on me. I'm kind of curious if it had an impact on you guys, Gretchen. Hmm. So I... I'm going to say I saw it in like 90 something last time I saw it before mm-hmm. I watched it for Women of Kaiju. Okay. Last year. Yeah, yeah. But the very first time you saw it was in the 90s. Totally. Okay. And I mean, it was spectacular then. So I don't really have like, as far as impacting my like interest in Godzilla films. Sure. Sure. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. It's such a standalone story for me, but I didn't remember that it actually had ties to the other film. Right, right. Now, so have you that, seen Godzilla 1985 before you had seen this? Not, no. Oh, so I had no idea that was like those scenes at the very beginning were like last time on oh, Godzilla. Yeah. Interesting. See, I actually, I had seen 85 before I'd seen 89. So to me, that was connective tissue mm. for sure. Uh, Dave, what about you, man? Um, no, I saw 85 in the theater. Oh, nice, red. nice. Um, I remember nothing about it. Okay. <laughs> okay. But I do remember that there'd been a big stretch. Okay. You know, and, and kind of like, oh, Godzilla's back. Yay. And then, you know, hearing about Biolante coming out and seeing like the poster art and how giant Biolante was and everything. And I got super pumped because it's like, you know, for me, you know, it's like, it's the creature design is always at least half the movie for me. Mm-hmm. And I, Freaking love the creature design of Biolante. I've always loved it. I thought it was one of the best looking of all the, uh, you know, Godzilla opponents. Um, I guess she's kind of a, she's kind of good, kinda. In, oh, her alignment? Yeah. I mean, like lawful Ooh, evil or something. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> I'm not good at those. Yeah. But I hear, I hear what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so like not, not necessarily not just, not a, a force villain. of destruction exactly, or something yeah. like that. Yeah, exactly. But, um, a force but then of when love. I, you know, but, but then in the, um, uh, when I saw it and I also saw it in the nineties, I don't remember if I saw it after Godzilla 1985 or if I saw one, might have seen one of the other ASA movies before it actually. But, um, I do, I do remember being so disappointed because, <laughs> yeah, because here's, you know, Biolante and she's so massive and she's got that big crocodile face full of, just full of teeth. Just, you know, there's just, there's no part of her mouth that isn't covered with teeth mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. you know, spraying acid and the whole thing. And Godzilla takes her out with like four heat blasts is like, the I think I think the battle is very anticlimactic, and that that killed my high a little bit. As and then the bad video effects, like Erica's face. E- even the, when you saw it, like oh no, when awful. it came out, terrible. Yeah. Okay, gotcha, oh yeah, gotcha. yeah, like the rose floating in the sky or the space and everything. Like so that. you your takeaway when you first saw this was kind of like was you thought it was more a throwaway? Oh, a little bit, but okay. I but I still but it gave me an enormous. Hope for the revitalization of the franchise because Biolante herself was so gorgeous. Nice. So well done. Nice. And so well puppeted, you know, with all those tentacles flying around and everything. And then the, the part where she uproots herself and shoots across the ground. Totally. Yeah, so yeah, good. Yeah. So good. But, uh, yeah, 
It just didn't, it just didn't have the, uh, what was that Tyson fight that they built up so much? And then Tyson just one punch and the guy drops. And that was, it was kind of like, it was kind of like that. Yeah. I don't, I don't remember. I, I guess he did that like eight that times. Was a Manny Pacquiao yeah, fight. yeah. You know, it was like, it's, it's, a. Uh, it was, it was kind of like that for me. You know? Okay. Right on. That makes sense. How about you, El Jefe? Well, like Dave, I had seen 85 at the theater and then, um, when this came out, you know, it didn't get a theatrical release in the States. And I was working at a video store at the time. And I remember like getting like, you'd get a list of what's coming soon. And sure. Was yeah. Yeah. Title like from HBO video, you know, Godzilla vs. Biollante. I'm like, hmm, there's a new Godzilla movie coming out. So I didn't see it until, was it probably 90 by the time we got it on video in the States? Because it was released on v- on VHS. Right. Yeah. And that's right. the only time. But but up until that, I had no idea there was even a new Godzilla movie coming out. And at the time, you know, my Godzilla fandom wasn't that huge. Because well, I remember like 85, not really thinking it was just mediocre at best. Okay. Right. So I was like, so when I saw this, I remember thinking like, yeah, it was okay. But I didn't really think, you know, too much either way. Because my cinematic tastes weren't quite as refined as they are today. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't think I, I, I don't, you know, I didn't appreciate it quite yet. All right. Okay. Understandable. And Charles, how about you, man? Uh, yeah, I saw it. I mean, the first time I saw it was 92 when it was, or, or thereabouts. Uh, it was fresh on video. It was like on the mm-hmm. Hollywood video rack. And I was like, yeah, I exactly. I can't believe there's a, what? There's a Godzilla movie. I never heard anything about this. Yeah. Yeah. So, but for me, it wasn't like there was a big, I didn't feel like there was a big break. Between, I mean, obviously, there's five years between uh, Godzilla in 1985, or four years, rather. And, and well, actually, six years, I guess, between when I saw Godzilla 85 and when this came out. In that interim, I was watching Godzilla movies all the time because they were playing on Channel 12 oh, cool. weekends regularly. Oh, that's cool. And, and, uh, and whatever I pick up on uh, VHS, you know, in my my uh, weekend rentals. And... And so I didn't feel like the big gap and it was like, but it was exciting that there was something new. Sure. Yeah. And ultimately disappointed, <laughs> uh, when I watch it because it, you know, it's what, it, what is it that I come to in a Godzilla movie or what I'm coming for is lots of Godzilla and monster action. Absolutely. And, and what do we got? Like, you know, 10 minutes of movie that's really that, you know, 15. And so nine and a half. <laughs> Now was it nine it. and a half? I timed it between the two fights. The two fights. The two That's fights the two being fights. Nine, yeah, yeah. yeah. And if you're talking about the fights, I completely agree. Yeah. So I thought I felt like there was a lot of Godzilla in this movie. There's a lot For of Godzilla. Godzilla. There's yeah. a lot of Godzilla. Yeah. That is true. But but at any rate, I I have I like Dave. I mean, I thought the design of Biolante was awesome mm-hmm. at the time, and it, it still is probably one of my favorites of all of the uh, the foes. But. Um, I have more appreciation for this movie now than I think I did at the time that it came out. I, I kind of, I put it sort of back in like, yeah, it was okay. I mean, I'm with great. you on that one. And then the last few times I've watched it, I mean, I kind of like the premise of it a lot more and, and, you know, I can tolerate the lack of monster action a little bit more than I did at the time. But. How, how long was it between Godzilla 1985 and the previous? Whatever, whatever Godzilla movie came out right before. Nine that. years. Yeah. Nine years. Okay, so yeah. So yeah, that, so it was Terror of Mechagodzilla. Okay. And then the nine-year hiatus. And then Return of Godzilla came out in Japan, or Godzilla, as it was, you know, sort of retitled or whatever. Yeah. So there uh-huh. was 14 years or so? 50, how, many, how many years between that, between Terror of Mechagodzilla and Biollante? There was... 
Uh, well, there. Oh my gosh! So there would yeah, have it's been like, like thirteen years, eighty nine over a decade for seventy five. Yeah, yeah, over a decade. You know, and I think that part of the back to the creature design, the upgrade hmm. between Terror of Mechagodzilla and and the movies. You know, I mean, I have always, I think I've said this before on the podcast, have always hated Gigan. <laughs> just, just a Get chicken out. robot. I, I know. No, you see it's, his just face? Like, it's just like, it's just like, yeah, I know. It's, mm-hmm. and I realize it's kind of like a cult fan favorite and blah, 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 blah. But it's just so goofy looking. Yeah. And then like 20 years later or whatever it is, then you get Biolante and I'm like, damn, that mm-hmm. is, you know, that is some upgrade. That is the, that is definite upgrade. Yeah. Absolutely. You know. Definitely an upgrade. You know. Uh, the guy who, Made Biolante, actually. Like, he had never done a kaiju suit before. So this Strong was like his, work. his first one. And he was like really, hey, I think he'd work on, worked on TV shows, but he'd okay. never worked on movies before. So wow. he had to like make a movie ready kaiju suit. He nailed it. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just, it's, it's such a huge upgrade, mostly because it looks so unlike a human in a suit yes. compared to everything else before it. Yeah. And Honestly, I thought it was true. a. I thought it was all puppet until I realized like some of the shimmies that, yeah. that it was making. There's was still like, a guy. There's a person in yeah, there. Yeah, there's still a guy in there in the end. But they, the design just does not. They do they such hide a, the form. Yes, they do such yeah. a great job of that. In yeah. the first form, there's literally a guy sitting like I think on a stool. Yeah. Oh really? Like, just like lit, shaking, turning, from yeah. the back. turning, yeah, right. turning like a like a, a post oh, that wow. basically turns Biolante's head. I believe it. <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, all the all the tentacles are done via puppetry. So good. And then I can't remember, you know, how many people it was, but you saw yeah. all of those people controlling. There were like the forty cables going, yeah. from, and that was just form, from that yeah. one side. I don't know if there was like mm. puppeteers coming from it's, both sides. It's crazy. But, yeah. The amount, just the amount of work that it took. It, it's like uh, it, I feel like you only saw that kind of thing when you looked at behind the scenes photos from Destroy All Monsters during the big battle of that movie, right. and then. Then to see these behind the scenes photos from this movie, I'm like, that looks a like way more than they had for that. That might other actually film. explain why the battle sequences are so short. Oh, just because they, so they would just run out of everything yeah. they had. It's yeah. Impossible. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, so for me, I have told the story on the podcast before, but I'll be brief about it. I came across this when I was in college. I had already become slightly obsessed with Godzilla thanks to seeing Godzilla 1985 when I was living in Japan. I lived in Japan in 87, in between Godzilla yeah. movies coming out. Right on. <sighs> so, uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, I didn't know about it. And then I came back and finished high school and then went to college and found it on the video shelf, probably 92, 93. And like you, what I had no idea there was a new Godzilla movie and watched it. And I was blown away because I was always looking for a Godzilla movie to have that sort of what I consider to be the next level of effects. And it definitely, I, I definitely delivers on that. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely delivers totally on delivers on that. And for me, there was kind of no difference in the way that the humans acted and the way that the story was being told and You're all of that right. stuff from one of the older 70s movies. Not so it was almost like a 70s movies with killer special effects. Yeah. Yes. Uh, anyway, that was that literally just came out of my head right now, that but, special realization for you that, guys. But because there's such a huge <clears throat> gap between the productions of these movies, mm-hmm. I would hope that the level of human writing and performance and story there 
would be at least a few levels above what they did before and not the same level. Yeah, they granted the special effects are top notch. Sure. I, and mean, I, even, I even totally today. agree with you. I so completely a, agree. So that's where my disappointment, even at oh, at the time, was like, yeah, well, I would have hoped it would have been better writing. Yeah. True. So. True. I think that could be said for many, many, many Godzilla uh, films. Without and especially <laughs> for me specifically, that could be said for just about every movie in this series. That is you know? absolutely true. Uh, a lot of these films have that sort of, oh, you had it so close. Yeah. You got to just take that further. Yeah. No, you can't take it further. Uh, so that was my introduction to Godzilla as a as a new movie series. And then I found uh, later on in life, I found the Internet and found out that they kept making Godzilla movies. Anyway, I don't need to go into that story all over again. Let's talk about some of the things that we felt worked with this film. Who wants to go first? Who? What was your favorite aspect of Godzilla versus Biollante? I'll go first. I guess. Jeff, <laughs> um, <laughs> sounds so dejected. No, um, no. I, I mean, I agree with what everybody else here said that the effects are, you know, the top-notch aspect of this film. Mm-hmm. But I have learned to love just the goofy Frankenstein-type plot of this <laughs> yeah. movie. Oh, absolutely. Um, and one reason I really love this is because of the story is so original and so different from anything we ever had before. In a Godzilla movie. In a Godzilla yeah. movie. Especially you have the story where, you know, a scientist, his daughter dies, and he decides, you know, to splice her genes with Godzilla's cells. Yeah. And then you have this giant plant-like <laughs> creature that... I mean, it's just like, it's wonderfully bizarre. Makes sense to me, though. Yeah. <laughs> it um, works. Like, <laughs> For me. Yeah. And I really think the battle scenes, even though they are short, they're extremely sweet. I love how gooey, wet, sticky. That is true. Everything yeah. is and how textured. And mm-hmm. it's like, it's not oh, just. Te- ex- textured is a great word for it, not for sure. just, you know, because usually in a lot of Godzilla battles, it's a lot of explosions and sparks and fire this is just non-stop like you know chaos gore, in the streets. green blood mm-hmm. and yeah i mean who doesn't love the, off. <laughs> that biolante you know basically pukes all over godzilla's head and just, mm-hmm. you know, true yeah fantastic who's gonna shut that off <laughs> yeah wow let me wait a minute yes okay Jeff, I couldn't agree more with you, sir. <laughs> no, seriously, it's like a, it's a visually very rich movie, and I feel like it, it definitely improves on any of the other entries before this. Mm-hmm. Like, especially watching the Blu-ray, seeing who mentioned it earlier, seeing the textures, somebody text well, textures, textures, and then uh, and then, but of Godzilla's tongue, tongue. Yeah. and yeah. stuff, oh, yeah, right. just being able to see all of that, like. So crisp and so clear. You know, you watch those other movies from the Showa era, so crisp and so clear. And sometimes you see a lot of flaws. <laughs> like and I'd say zipper. here you didn't see so many flaws. And I think they did a good, great job of hiding it, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when we were flipping through the special features, it said specifically, like, you know, none of these people had really worked on a Godzilla movie before. Yeah. So they were all kind of coming in from other productions, from other, I'm assuming, other science fiction productions that had you know, been at Toho and I think they nailed it in terms of uh, special effects for sure. 
Yeah, I think I think Jeff made a really good really good point about the fight sequence, and I think that the director and the writer probably deserve credit uh, a lot of credit because this is the first time Godzilla's fought a plant, <laughs> and so it doesn't have you know vital organs with you know with there's sort of the implication that that glowing brain thing in its chest some is, kind of is, tumor yeah something but I mean but it's like so so he can he can blow the back of her head out. And she can still keep fighting. She can, he can blow off as many tentacles as he wants. Like, you know, Gamera cuts off Gaios's leg. He can do that trick twice. Right. That's it. <laughs> yeah. And then Gaios is out of legs. Yeah. That's, you know, that's it. You know, the, the director's like, how many tentacles does Biolante have? We don't have to answer that question. Yeah. They're everywhere. As many you know? yeah. as she wants. So we're, yeah. during the fight, we're going to blow off 18, 20, 38 tentacles. Who cares? They're just going to keep coming because, you know, uh, because it's a different anatomy, a different physiology. And I think that they did taking that to its logical extreme during the fight and then and then ending up with the gooey beautiful uh effects that uh, Jeff was referring to I thought they did that very well even though they didn't do it long enough I love that they had so many gooey special effects <laughs> gooey sticky biolante yeah. what was your what was that your favorite part of the movie or um what's my you know come That's back right, it's to, your come, turn. yeah you know come come back to me Fine. I'm not, I got I got to think about that one for a sec Charles I don't think there's any question. I mean, well, I, you know, I would say probably normally the, the, the effects, and we've already kind of covered that, the, the effects and, and Godzilla, actually, I'll, I'll come back to Godzilla is the, this version of Godzilla's, you know, I'm like a lot of people, it's probably my favorite because they finally got, I think this is where they finally got proportions of Godzilla right. And, yeah. and before that, and it's not that I don't like the other versions and, and older versions. Um, it's this one, the head in proportion of the body, the, the fact they made it a little bit smaller, the way the neck goes up into the head, all of that stuff that is pretty common in the later versions of Godzilla. They really nailed it here. And it's not, they didn't go too far the other way where the head's teeny tiny and, and, and stuff. It's like, it's got the right balance. And I think this is the best looking one because of all of that. A definitely favorite design, but favorite, you know, the whole concept of how Biolante you know, that going to the story, you know, the whole concept of how Biolante came to be. Actually, I think I kind of dig this, mm-hmm. this whole concept of the, the whole direction they went with it. And, and it's, it's unusual and weird. And, but also kind of, as you mentioned while watching, it's kind of weirdly plausible in weird ways. And I, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I kind of dig it. So, so yeah. I, I don't know. But that's just the, the, the create, I guess, sum it up creation of Biolante, the, the, the uh, origin of biotech. Yeah. I, I, I might not be a biotechnician, <laughs> yeah. but I believe in a giant monster plant. Now, no, I, I totally bought it. Like, and bought it when I watched it in '92. I bought it when I watched it I, tonight. You know, I've come back around to it. I think in '92 it was a little turned off, but maybe it was just because there wasn't enough monster action. But I, I, I like the movie a lot more now. What would it have been if they had used a dandelion instead of rose? Interesting. Because it's an actual weed. Yeah. And yeah. It, it looks so and fuzzy. It's like a good boy. actually a pretty bad choice <laughs> for trying for trying to genetically modify a plant to live in a desert. Why the hell would you start with a rose bush? Yeah, I know that. It yeah. makes no sense. You'll have to ask the Ceradians. I guess so. <laughs> you have to ask the Ceradians. I was thinking it's probably because of the, the romance aspect for the you know, of like he loved his daughter and that's a symbol of love and Mm -hmm. the roses. Perhaps, perhaps that was just her own, 
her own pet plant. Right. Hmm. That she was right. uh, she was doing her own biotechnology to create her Erica plant. She was going to enter it in the Portland Rose Festival. <laughs> right. And lo and behold, the laboratory was blown up and Erica, Erica was killed. Mm. Very sad that she was just laying there on the floor. Just like we need a dead to do girl. a GoFundMe so we can make a Biolante float for the Rose Festival. Oh my God. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. So the Rose Festival for people who are not from Portland is basically our local festival that takes over the city, takes over the whole downtown and businesses it's, it's, around. It's, it's for the city of Roses. Portland version of the Rose Bowl Parade. Yeah. 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 Thank you. Thank you. Because I have no frame of reference for any other city that does well, it like the, that. The Rose Bowl Parade's like yeah, a that's the huge big, the big, one. The yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, we're uh, the city of roses to some people. Stumptown for me. But uh, yeah, so, for sure. yeah, so I think, you know, she just wanted to create her own rose. And then that's maybe that's why the doctor, Shirogama, thought, Shirogami thought that she was actually in the plants is because, you know, she spent so much time with it. <clears throat> I'm just making up fan canon right here. Yeah. I'm buying it. This fan fiction. You're selling it. I'm buying it. <laughs> I think you have to already buy the movie in order to churn out this grade A bull plop that I'm coming up with here. Uh, who else wants to tell me their favorite part about this movie? I'm kind of with Charles on the idea of I like the story because always there's an environmental tale in these Godzilla films. And this is the dangers of GMO. Sure, right? sure, sure. The dangers of <laughs> biotechnology, bio experimentation. The GMO stands for giant monster organism. Right? Organism, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. That's the conspiracy, <laughs> y'all. Oh my god! Oh my god! Yeah. Well, I love that about this movie. You know, yeah. that's like uh, I feel like in most of the movies you get sort of a very slapdash tacked on at the end. Uh, oh, right. Yeah. Uh, you shouldn't go against nature, guys, kind of thing at the end of the movie. This one, it's like pretty apparent through the entire thing. And especially right as Biolante shows up, the doctor says, oh, yes, I think I may have made a mistake. It's just <laughs> like, Whoops. there's your message in the middle of the movie, too, not just at the end. So, Well, the thing we're skipping over is like um, Mickey's character of having a psychic that can communicate with flowers. Interesting. I, like so actually let me let me kind of jump in here because sure. it's not my favorite aspect of the movie. Yeah. However, I'm a weirdo who likes uh X-Men as a kid, you know, I loved sure. X-Men and uh I always loved the whole mutant phenomenon. And so I thought X-Men was just in Marvel. Apparently they did too. And then <laughs> but <laughs> I didn't realize when I was reading X-Men as a kid that mutations and psychokinesis and telekinesis and, you know, telepathy would show up in other mediums. So whenever I saw something, oh, my gosh, there's a telekinetic in this movie. Well, there was a I whole so, state of like psychic phenomena and telekinetic movies. In yeah. The, in the 70s and yeah. in, uh, in the 80s, too. Right. In yeah. Yeah. Because like. I mean, like uh, there's a Friday the Thirteenth with um. Oh God, that's part that's, right. that's part seven. Oh yeah, and it's basically yeah. Jason versus Carrie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I mean, yeah. I love that. <laughs> you know, I I mean, it's, it might not be a good movie by any stretch of the imagination. It's not. But but the fact that these powers, yeah. sort of like 
leached out into other mediums. Like I found it fascinating. So when I saw that Godzilla had a psychic on board, I was super happy. And it's totally one of those things like I, that never throws me for a loop. I'm like, yep, okay, cool. Powers. I and got it. And there's the power yeah. that sure. school that they, they go. It's like, yeah, they, the Psionic like they Institute. Were, they were reading yeah. X-Men too. That was, yeah. Pro- <laughs> yes, they but. definitely were reading X-Men and then they were dreaming about Godzilla. That was uh, definitely an amazing moment in the film when I was watching it the first time and every time hmm. when the kids hold up their drawings. I love it. That is a good shot. It's like, when, when makes was, me smile. When was the first Heisei Gamera movie? 1995. Okay, so this is like six years after this. Yes. So Mickey Sagusa predates Asagi. Oh, yes. yes okay. Very much. All right, because that's, it's, it's, it's funny because whenever, I don't know, I, I, I mix them up in my head. Oh, it's okay. Weird. It's like Interesting. Female psychics connected to giant monsters all look the mm-hmm. same to me mm-hmm. or something. I'm not <laughs> sure, I'm not sure what the, what the issue is, but it's funny. It's like whenever, like I was doing a little bit of research and about this movie before we got here and it's talking about Mickey Sagusa mm-hmm. and immediately the image that comes to my head is the girl who played Asagi. I don't know why, you know, I, I completely. Asagi is Steven Seagal's daughter, right? What? Yeah. yeah. Really? Yeah. How yeah. did I miss that little fact? Oh, yeah. Now? That's his daughter. <laughs> It's a Gamera movie. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's probably how you missed it. All but right. the, yeah, yeah. Uh, I totally, I, I hear you though. Yeah, basically, it's, it's almost weird that they have said, oh yeah, we're going to do the same yeah, thing. Yeah, we're going to do the same I'm thing. glad that they tweaked it so that it wasn't just like, I'm psychic. It's yeah. just like, for some reason, now I have a connection to this monster. Right. Yeah. Right. But, uh, this, but the phenomenon, right? This sort of like psychic, psychic, uh, able to move things, able to, you know, feel other people's telepathy stuff, like that aspect of this movie I've always liked and the fact that Mickey Sagusa comes back in the next movie right. and the next movie and the next movie and she's a continuous character with psychic powers <laughs> she's like my Japanese mutant crush <laughs> and I think I think did you tell I her spe- that well, I did I not tell her that I absolutely mine too did, I mean I but that's I mean really I think sure <laughs> Well, I mean, uh, yeah, but I think head, for a lot of people, yeah. a lot of Godzilla fans, she's probably their, sure. their Japanese crush, but she's my Japanese psychic crush. Because mm. <laughs> I have to make a distinguish, <laughs> I have to distinguish between the ones that are psychic and the ones that aren't, right? Right. Yes. That makes sense. It makes yes, total sense do. to me. Uh, well, let's talk about the things that didn't work in this film. What would you have done differently if you were in the seat, Dave? That is funny because. Everybody else's favorite part of this movie is my least favorite part of this movie. I am not buying the rose girl monster at all. <laughs> I am. It's, it's, it's funny. It's like because it, it, there wasn't a. You guys, uh, a number of you mentioned that it just sort of appeared on the shelf at the video store, and you're like, "Hey, a new Godzilla movie." And, but I had been reading about Godzilla versus Biollante in like. Fangoria and sure, Star Lord yeah. Blurb, you know, for like years before this came out, I was like waiting for this sucker. Ah. And then there was this, then there was this article which sort of like summed up the plot. And it's like, you know, a scientist distraught over his daughter takes her genes and a rose bush and Godzilla mm. cells and creates a new, and I'm like, he did what? Why? <laughs> How, what? You know, and just, it just seemed so, ridiculous to me and i never i never got over that interesting it's just, it's just this weird the the origin it's and it's totally 
ridiculous that that's where I draw my line in my suspension of disbelief on these movies. Cause we're just, we're talking about, we're already talking, we're walking into movies about giant monsters with radioactive breath and stuff. Why do I have any suspension? You know, why can't I just suspend all disbelief in, all the time? In order to you know, enter this a, room, your suspension of disbelief <laughs> must be this tall. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> and I, and I never, I never bought off on the, on the origin. I thought it was goofy. And then at the end, when Dr. Shiragami is like, you know, really, we're the monsters. It's like, oh my God, shoot me in the face. You know, it's like, what? and then they almost did. And then they, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and, and then when, you know, the, the spores fly up and Erica's face appears in the spores. And I'm just like, oh, is this like a Godzilla made for lifetime Godzilla movie? It's killing me. Oh, like, like, you know? <laughs> like many Godzilla films, it's, kind of falls flat at the end yeah once you get past a certain point sometimes That's these a- people don't know how to really end it and and make it sort of feel impactful in Foreshadowing all, in all fairness Sorry. that's a tough you know like the the climactic battles are tough acts to follow it would be nice if each movie foreshadowed the next movie <laughs> coming it Ooh. would be not a i'm not talking about a post-credit stinger i'm talking yeah. about yeah. like okay I know that we're talking about another couple of years before Ghidra came out, but what if at the very end, one of those guys in the military base where they were piloting oh, Super awesome. X2 was like, oh, we're getting some really weird anomalies from the space station. Oh, and that's all they say. Oh, that'd you be know? great. See you right know? there. Anyway, so you, I'm not you, saying that's how you, you just, end it. You just solved a decades-old writing problem for the Godzilla movie. <laughs> yeah. Strong work, Mr. Yao. Well, let me at the next film, and we'll see how I do then, because yeah, that's where baby. you get into the time travel. All right. Anyway, no. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I mean, I think the ending is is kind of... It's yeah. a pretty, pretty mediocre ending for some of the stuff that happens in the film. I would agree. You know, it's way up here, and then the ending is womp, womp, down here. Godzilla wakes up from his nap. <laughs> That's how the movie ends, dude. I mean, essentially. I know. Sure, you've got the other stuff. You know, yeah. you got the Serradian agent shoots Dr. Shiragami. You know, oh, no. Then you've got the other guy, the hero who runs after the Serradian <laughs> car chase at the end of the yeah. movie after you thought it was all over. You know, bonus car chase, you could say. Yeah, that's true. There's a lot of car chases. Feel, filled. With car chase. No, there's that, and then you get the uh, the electric pad, the lightning pad that disintegrates the dude. <laughs> that was... Strong ending, in my opinion. Just kidding. It can't... That As much as I love that, <laughs> the guy getting electrocuted by the lightning generator... Disintegrated. Uh, disintegrated. Yeah, sorry, not just electrocuted. See, the next yeah. movie... Turned he, into he powder. and he was half fly. That would have been awesome. Ooh, or if he was electro. <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> but that was, that was not... A booyah moment enough to save the ending of that film. No. What about you guys? Would you would you like least about this film? You know, the, you're. I mean, you're touching on it. Is the is the the James Bondian spy whatever assassin guy? Get that, all that could be cut out. I mean, it's such. It's it's <laughs> it's funny. so pointless. Yeah, in, it really in the is. Over, overall thing. However, you know what you're describing there that, that happens after Biolante's uh you know uh done away with and goes up in sparkly dust uh if that happened be right before that battle it makes so much more sense and then you end on the sparkly dust going up did that I mean, does make more sense mm-hmm. i think you i think they could have ended it not with godzilla on the beach and then waking up they could could have ended it with godzilla like 
falling off a cliff like he does in the show era, it would yeah. be totally plausible. Like, well, I can't anymore. And he just goes off. Yeah. And then he's yeah. in the ocean. Yeah. Under, you know, under watch by the uh, UNGCC or whatever they're called. Wasn't or, there another movie where that basically happened? Well, yeah. I mean, Godzilla rolls off into the ocean. Well, yeah, yeah all the time. But I, mean, like, but I mean, like, like just like collapses. And then, like, did that? What? What? How did? How did King Kong versus Godzilla end? In King Kong versus Godzilla, they both tumble into the ocean together, and then Kong swims Kong away. Swims right. away. Yeah, that's what. That's what I'm thinking of. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And then in Ghidra, the three-headed monster. Do they actually? No, in Mothra. He tumbles off as well. This is, you know, classic yeah. way to end it. Just have Godzilla <laughs> fall into the ocean and I not mean, come back up. It's, or you just see him swimming away. Looks like Godzilla's had his fill of humanity for now. We'll have to watch out so we don't create our own monsters in the future. <laughs> See, I could do the job. I can. You could do the job. I, I think I've studied this genre enough. This is not my ulterior motive. I don't have any desires to actually be a writer. Yeah, you do. Consultant. That's a different story. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Who else has something they want to gripe about, about Godzilla versus Biollante? I agree with what. Charles said the you know the spy plot is just it's you know you can't take it any other way but comical now dead serious <laughs> dead seriously well, comical dead serious <laughs> pan yeah <laughs> I mean it's like so utterly you know bad like the guy he's got a sunglasses on yeah twenty four seven yeah he's a scrawny guy and his suits are too big and <laughs> so, so we know like, he's a bad guy. So <laughs> Yeah, just or he's so an alien. If you watch the, the old movies, so you know you think he's an alien, maybe. Yeah, that's true. Oh. And they even said that the, the organization name was Alien. That was a weird, that was weird, almost throwaway. Is that thing. Like a subtitle mistake. I mean, it that's what I was wondering too. I wasn't paying attention to what they said in Japanese, but mm. maybe I don't know. Alien. Maybe they meant Alien in the like, as in like Gaijin, like foreigner. <laughs> maybe. I don't even think. I think Jeff's absolutely right. I don't even think the filmmakers took that seriously because no. you you get to the end of the, you get three quarters in and there's that fight with the guy in the yellow hard hat and you know, and you hear the barring yep. yep. sound effect when they so out of place. It's like what the hell? Yeah, I feel like for this whole we I could almost go back and replay this conversation and like just like voiceover say train wreck. <laughs> train wreck <laughs> favorite film <laughs> favorite film you know just like because like that's the thing that's the dichotomy of this film for me is like i recognize the bad but it's not bad enough to make me not look at the good <laughs> <laughs> fair enough but i yeah they definitely they didn't take that part seriously no i mean i don't know if they use something else as a model for that <laughs> like oh we saw james bond hit some guy over the head and it made a doing sound <laughs> That, uh, yeah, that's yeah. That's a Three Stooges move. I mean, yeah, I don't know what. Maybe Kazuo uh, Kazuo Kamori. So was this the Kazuki Amori? Maybe he was a huge fan of the Stooges. Was this the shift in like the Godzilla films no longer being for kids? The um, previous film, nineteen eighty five, was okay. Yeah, so the the because I noticed there's no Kenny. So yay! Totally, totally. <laughs> No Kenny, no Kenny at all. I mean, yeah. Mickey Seguse is the closest thing you're going to get but to a Kenny in the series. She's a young woman. Except in Godzilla vs. Mothra, there is a little girl in that movie. Mm, okay. Anyway, uh, this is where Godzilla was being treated with 
a new set of filmmakers mm-hmm. more like what they felt like Godzilla should be I wasn't sure like. which film was like the defining like line of like, this is no longer for children. This is now a PG film. Right. Well, 85 is a direct sequel to the very first Godzilla okay. movie, right? So it's basically like they think, well, 85, uh, we, the first film happened in 54 and then we are going to forget everything <gasps> after we that. Forget that's what the, that's mm-hmm. what the Heisei series chronology ah. is all about. Because you take out all of that stuff, you get a chance to rebuild the entire franchise in this series. So when people see Mothra two years, uh, two films from now, they aren't saying, oh my gosh, it's Mothra that we fought back in 1961 and defeated Godzilla in 64. Oh, you know, it's the I first see. time they've seen Mothra, even though it's hardly the first time we'd seen Mothra. And we'll see Mothra going forward. Right. Right, Jeff? Absolutely. <laughs> thought you'd want to jump in on this Mothra conversation. Hey, I love Mothra, but I, you know, I agree with you. Like, okay, we've seen enough. Oh, <laughs> Let, but you look. haven't seen the anime yet, Jeff. Do I need to see that? Wait, what? To be mm. continued in part three <laughs> of the anime. Is <laughs> Mothra in the anime? It's hinted at it. Oh, hints. crap. Now I'm tired of hints. Now I have to watch that stupid anime. <laughs> I don't know. And King Ghidorah. Uh, it's optional, I think. Anyway. <laughs> okay. Okay, so moving on uh, with Biolante, I think we should just go into our final thoughts, unless anybody has anything else that they feel like they need to nitpick about this film. Overall, Gretchen, where would you say this film fits in your I Love Godzilla movies sort of oeuvre? I'd say it's about mid because okay. I, I love like King Ghidorah and um, Hedorah, as we all know. Sure. Sure. So, no, you're talking about the monster. You're talking about the movie, the movies. Okay. Like, so I'm like, don't want to like ignore those as a, that's kind of crazy to me that those are not part of the, that's like cut out. Oh, you didn't know that about no, the I'm, series. See, I'm still kind of a like noob a little bit on this. Well, after like, the Heisei and... series, the Millennium series does the exact same thing, <laughs> except they don't do that. it in a string of continuity. It's just everything's its own individual film. But I didn't realize they'd actually like cut those as far as like those stories never happened. And that's why we're seeing when we see uh, Mothra again, we're like, it's not. What do they oh. call that in comic books? They call that. uh uh Oh man! If I was still producing that X Men podcast, I would know this off the top of my head. Con- you don't mean continuity? Do you? No, not continuity. It's uh, retcon. They've oh, yeah. retconned oh, all yeah. of the kaiju yeah. out of the picture from the first series. Interesting. Entirely. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I I don't know. I feel I like mean, it's I knew interesting. Do that later, but. I don't think it's a. I don't think it was a bad move because I felt like they took it and really created something that they didn't have before, the chronology, the mm-hmm. actual continuous story mm-hmm. of one film to the next and having that connective tissue between them. So I, I appreciate that, you know, and it's different from what they did before. So it's mm-hmm. just another another stab at doing a Godzilla series, and that's sort of why I, why I can get behind it, mm-hmm. despite how much I absolutely adore those movies. Word. So, final thoughts. Wait, did you finish final thoughts? Yeah. Okay. Final thoughts. <laughs> I I don't know where I'd place this. I mean, I might be with Gresham. It's kind of in the middle of my I think it's noteworthy. I think it's important because of both mo- both the design of Godzilla and Biollante and kind of it, it it starts a whole new sort of trajectory for where this series went and I think it's important for that. Um 
it's not it's certainly weakest weaker amongst the stories of some of the others that I like but it's it's still in my top 10 of I go back to this pretty regularly okay right I did on. buy the blu-ray for a reason it wasn't you know. <laughs> right on right on Jeff this is in my top 10 towards the you know the back side of the top 10 but um, like I said I just love the originality of it the completely bizarre but wonderful Biolante. I just like both all the forms she yeah. takes. Sure, yeah, it's absolutely. Like, it's like the, super, they're super both beautiful cool. and in their own way. And that's one of the things you know that I really, really like, or or am hoping for in Godzilla films is new monsters. Mm-hmm. You know, so this is we got you know, it. we got a new monster, and then the next time we got a new monster was I mean I guess you could call it Space Godzilla. If well, Batra was a new monster. That's true. Batra, Batra was, was yeah. great. Yeah, Sorry, was I have cool. to. I have to stick up for Batra. Yeah, no, ba- Batra was cool. That's true. Um, but then, like, what? Maybe Space Godzilla. But Batra was in a out. movie sandwiched between Godzilla and Mothra. You know what yeah, I mean? Like yeah. it. It's like I get. I absolutely agree with you. I'm not trying to argue with you. I'm just saying. Like, Are you arguing with me? <sighs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> the uh, no, the real Whoa, the thing that I would do is uh, <laughs> boop. Beeps are easy. The uh, I mean, they're easy. I just have to go back and do them after somebody catches them. <laughs> that was a dig at Rachel. Uh, <laughs> anyway, yes, I wish they would stop using the same ones over and over again. I don't mind it at all when they bring someone back. Like in Final Wars, when they brought Gigan back, I was like, that's awesome. You right. know, they've done something different, something cool and something new with it. You know, they brought Rodan back in 93, and I was like, that's awesome. Oh, wait, no, it's not so awesome. It was <laughs> awesome in concept, but not in execution. So I, I, there's so many monsters that they could reach back and grab and bring back for a new movie. They could come up with a new movie monster. It doesn't have to be something we've seen before, but good Lord, don't do Godzilla fighting Mothra and King Ghidorah and Mechagodzilla anymore, please. Please. We still have to get to the next legendary film, you know. That's not Toho, though. I mean, (laughs) trust me, I'm not super psyched that they've chosen to do that either. But at least it's not freaking Toho. It's true. Toho's doing that for the anime series. Right. I'm like, stop it. Please. Okay, I'm getting off a crazy tangent here. Get back on the Biolante train. Dave, where does this movie sit for you? Uh I'm I'm not going to say anything that's really different than what everybody else said. Mm-hmm. Uh, the for me it's interesting. I I I understand that the beginning of the Heisei Godzilla movies is Godzilla 1985, but as I mentioned before, I don't remember Godzilla 1985. So sort of in my mind, Godzilla versus Biolante is the beginning of the Heisei uh, era. And I love the Heisei films. I, you know, I like the, I like the upgrade in the special effects. I like the creatures, even the retread creatures. I like how they, you know, I, I like how they look. Um, and I loved how Biolante looked. So there's a, I have a, I have a fondness for this movie that transcends my actual fondness for this movie <laughs> you know? it works dude yeah, it works know, so, i feel the same so way I think. it's it's there's there's an amount of respect i think it's i think it's a milestone in the genre and i uh, appreciate the hell out of it for that very good uh as 
you know, I've seen this movie countless times. It is probably one of the few Godzilla movies that I will just go grab and put on and have been doing that since I've owned it on VHS, essentially. Uh, it's a movie that has stayed with me since I saw it in the, in the video store. And I still have the, I, I feel that impact when I watch it and when I got to see the Blu-ray. Cause seriously, if you guys don't know this, this movie was just gone. You had to get it through bootleg channels after the, after the VHS tape was released back hmm. in the, you know, nineties. You couldn't get it unless it was a bootleg. And so when, uh, was it Mill Creek? Yeah. Mill Creek put it out. The news about them putting it out was fantastic. And apparently, uh, someone from Mill Creek was actually part of the Toho Kingdom forums and took suggestions and like gave feedback. It was, he was like, I'm working on the Blu-ray. And so a lot of fans got to input this particular release. And so when they came out with it, I had to snatch it up immediately. Wow. Yeah. It was really great presentation. I mean, obviously anything could be better. You know, they could have more special features, trailers, etc. They might have trailers on there, but there just could be more. But it's great. Being able to see the behind the scenes stuff, mm -hmm. the unused footage, the uh the ending that didn't work so they had to redo it, like that's <laughs> cool. I thought that was pretty cool that yeah. animated thing where um Biolante's mouth closes over Godzilla. The compositing was all jacked, but sure. you know I just thought it was really cool that not only did they have that in there, they heard, they had, uh, not only did they have that as something you could just watch, you know, mm -hmm. they had it as part of a larger piece and they had Koichi Kawakita sitting in front of the TV or in front of you telling you why it didn't work. He was literally sat there and said, yeah, you just couldn't make an emotional connection to it. And so we had to redo it. We just, we tossed it, but I thought it looked beautiful mm -hmm. in terms of animation. I thought it was just as good as anything else I would hope to see uh, from, better from than Japan. The anime. <laughs> Much better than the anime. Wow, we keep coming back to that. Uh, you and I are heartbroken. Over <laughs> I think we, <laughs> we're heartbroken. I am actually, I just, I know that I'm a tortured soul because not only am I going to watch the third film. Heck yeah, we'll watch the third. Not only am I going to watch the third one, I'm going to watch the other two before I watch the third one. Ooh, <sighs> so anyway, I don't know if any of this is going to get into the episode, but yeah. uh, if anybody else have final <laughs> thoughts they want to share, uh, would anybody suggest this to a newbie, kaiju newbie? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Mm, probably. Probably. Okay. Yes. I think this is a good one to start on with somebody that's never seen it before. It's it's modern enough and, uh you know, still is reminiscent of what older Godzilla movies are. I think could it's not good, agree more. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think it's great to show a kaiju newbie. We got a handful of homework in from the listeners and it went a little like this. Brian writes in to say, as with almost any Godzilla movie, he enjoyed this film. He remembers when first seeing it, he thought, really a giant rose? But over the years, it has grown on him. It was fairly unique at the time. Day of the Triffids and Thing from Another World were the only two films that Brian was aware of using plants as the monster. Also, Biollante's tentacle attacks were new to a Godzilla foe and somewhat mirrored in the later Godzilla 2000, as well as the swallowing of Godzilla's head. From watching the making of Extra on the Miramax DVD, they wanted to do some stop motion and digital effects, but the technology was not up to the task of matching the live action portion, so it was cut. Brian's only wish is that they would have picked a different type of plant, so they would not have had to have that giant rose head on Biollante's first incarnation. Joey says that Godzilla vs. Biollante is probably the only Heisei Godzilla film 
that he would consider really well made, besides the classic 84 film before it. He first saw this movie when he was in middle school, coming from films like Monster Zero, Megalon, and 85. The tone was definitely dark, but he loved it. To him, he thinks it's one of the best in the entire franchise. The score is fun and memorable. He digs the Seradian assassin and the kind of Ghidra spy thriller kick this film has. Plus, this one is quite violent. Watching Biollante send a vine right through Godzilla's hand and then he pulls it out. There's just so much to say about this film. It's just so enjoyable. To Joey, the tragedy of this film is that the rest of the Heisei era doesn't really follow suit. Meanwhile, Gamera made a huge visual effects comeback where Godzilla wouldn't have one of those until after 2001. But Godzilla vs. Biollante is a great Godzilla film. Troy was really excited to do a review of a Heisei series Godzilla movie. The Heisei Godzilla has always been his favorite, and he still prefers a Heisei Godzilla movie, even a bad one, over any other Godzilla movie. The only thing better than a Heisei Godzilla movie is a Heisei Gamera movie. However, Godzilla vs. Biollante has a lot to love. It was the first appearance of Godzilla's traditional Heisei look. It has the first appearance of Miki Sigusa, and best of all, it has the appearance of one of the two great Heisei original monsters, Biollante, the other being Batra. Biollante is an amazing creature. Her design is beautiful, her origin is interesting, and her acid breath weapon is a nice change-up from the other monsters in the series' energy weapons. Basically, she's just a plant version of Godzilla. How awesome is that? Troy loves the classic monsters, but the Heisei series had some great original monsters too, and he wishes we could see, at least, those two again in another Godzilla series. Thank God for the IDW comics, right? Also, the crocodile in Rampage had a little bit of Biollante flavor in it. Troy's favorite thing about this movie, Godzilla vs. Biollante, is probably the monster, Biollante. Or it could be the new updated look for Godzilla. So enamored with Biollante's design was he that he purchased the X-Plus figure of her earlier this year. His least favorite aspect of the film has to be Super X-2's theme music, which seemed really out of place with the rest of the musical score. Despite some of the confusing international intrigue elements of this movie, which even after numerous viewings he found still a little hard to swallow, he would absolutely recommend this to a kaiju newbie. 8 Biollante Biting Tentacles Out of 10 Mike Keller says that this movie has certainly come a long way, being voted the best in the series by Japanese fans and judges in 2014. Although who these fans and judges were, Mike would like a little more info on. He remembers when the film was not so well received. In fact, the box office take was the least of all the second wave series. The late Guy Tucker absolutely despised it, considering it the worst in the franchise until Space Godzilla came along, and apparently many genre luminaries, including Ishiro Ohana himself, didn't have very high praise for the picture. This many years on, Mike finds the film entertaining, but not great, but certainly not terrible, resting somewhere in the middle, but closer to the top than not. So specific. For this viewing, Mike watched both the official Miramax US DVD release and the Thai DVD, both with English subtitles, and noted that there seemed to be some language barrier issues with this film, as both versions he watched, because of different translations, made the same two faux pas. One, when the single biomajor agent is killed in Dr. Shiragami's lab, we are told that both agents are killed. Two, when Kirishima is asked what he needs to complete the nuclear energy bacteria, and he responds with a certain scientist, which then cuts dramatically to Shiragami. It states instead, a few scientists, far less impactful. Mike remembers that this film was the first time anything was ever stated about Godzilla's regenerative abilities. Something illustrated much more clearly in Godzilla 2000, actually. 
It doesn't really come across in the film, but fandom certainly talked about it, which makes Mike think that it would have been touted more in publicity than in the movie itself. There is certainly a lot going on in the film, but Mike never found himself confused and thought the film was easy enough to follow. The monster action is well-paced and, for the most part, satisfying, and with the notable exception being the lackluster battle between the title creatures in the film's end, this movie, of course, introduced the iconic Heisei Godzilla design. For the next six years, although a different suit would be constructed for each film, the same suit mold, as was sculpted for this movie, would be reused in its construction. For Mike's money, the design would reach a high point in the next film, Godzilla vs. King Ghidra, though he prefers this movie overall to that one. There is definitely an issue with the English-language dialogue in this film. Kiss, you guys. I want you to make sure that Japan does not make any more of that. We are the lethal weapons. She's not a bad sight. Although not as bad as Take That, You Dinosaur, it certainly set the stage for making one wonder if these were really native English speakers, and if so, did they actually hear what they were saying? The tie disc actually improves this a little bit by translating Biomajor's dialogue during the shootout with the Seradian agent in Dr. Shiragami's lab as, oh bugger. Finally, people might notice that Mike has refrained from mentioning the other monster's name in this review. That is because it's like nails on a chalkboard to him every time he hears an English speaker say the name Biolante, when the monster's name should be Biolante. The proliferation of mispronunciation has a lot to do with Miramax's dub, which was performed by monkeys. Don't be a monkey, people. Actually, are you sure, Mike, that that was Miramax's people? Because it sounded an awful lot like the people who do the international dubs. At least I didn't say Tao. Michael Deke writes in to say Godzilla vs. Biollante is the film that brought the franchise into the modern era, though he would disagree with the people of Japan and say that it is not the definitive best Godzilla film. Certainly, though, one of the best. It has one of the best openings in the entire franchise, with a close-up of Godzilla from the cellular level to a shot of him against a fiery background as the title of the film rolls over with a rendition of a Fukubei's Godzilla theme, along with the credits rolling over the scenes from the previous film. One thing he enjoys about the Heisei series is the continuity, and given that the first couple of scenes take place just after Godzilla's attack in Tokyo in the last film are pretty enjoyable, with the JSDF, Biomajor, and the Seradian agent scrambling for the Big G's cells. The whole concept surrounding the idea of using biotechnology to change the world on a positive or negative way is used in the same manner as the cautionary tale for nukes in the tale of the original Godzilla. Plus, Michael finds it very interesting for Shinichiro Kobayashi to come up with a plant monster that not only was a metaphor for the scientific folly of man, but was, in a sense, a female version of Godzilla. The military fights are also pretty spectacular, especially with the Super X-2, which is a big step up from the original. Utilizing drone warfare was smart on the JSDF's part, like in Destroy All Monsters. He also finds it ironic that the second installment of the Heisei series would have Godzilla attack Osaka, just as he did in the second installment of the Showa series, Godzilla Raids Again. Michael's one complaint comes from the use of anti-nuclear bacteria on Godzilla. The idea of using mines to raise his temperature to activate the bacteria comes from the assumption that Godzilla is exothermic, given that in most incarnations, especially this one, he is a theropod dinosaur and thus should be warm-blooded, as it was the hot topic for paleontologists at the time. His fights with Biollante were a mixed bag, as there was a bit more physical fighting than in later installments, but the energy weapons were a bit overused. Biollante's final form was interesting, and while watching it with his friend John, he went nuts over this design. Unfortunately, the ending of this film was a bit unsatisfying, as Biollante's death, Godzilla's revival from the anti-nuclear bacteria, and Dr. Shiragami's death at the hands of the Seradian agent 
pretty much amount to nothing. Overall, Michael would definitely recommend this to a kaiju newbie, as it has an easy-to-follow continuity with the last film, a few interesting characters, outstanding special effects done by Kuichi Kawakita, though sometimes it gives a bit too much in the terms of numerous plot lines. Four out of five boring stars. Adam says that Godzilla vs. Biollante is a Godzilla movie with sloppy plotting, silly science, and limited interest beyond its monster footage. But the step up in production quality will appeal to lovers of fantastic films. The artisans obviously really cared about their work. The constructions of the monster is improved. Godzilla's legs don't bag or flop around. And the animatronic stand-in for the facial close-ups is a good match for the full body suit. The lighting and framing give Biollante a magical quality. At various times, she shoots out showers of golden sparkles that fill the screen. <laughs> the clash of monsters resembles giant gods battling in some cosmic void with Biollante an apparition from H.P. Lovecraft instead of the message, "'Twas beauty that killed the beast.'" The final words to ponder are, Godzilla and Biollante are not the monsters. The real monsters are the humans that created them. Show Adam a political candidate who dispenses that caliber of wisdom, please. Last but not least, Nicholas Cloutier writes in to say, He's 10 years old and homesick from school. There are three movies that, when viewed together, seem to cure Nick of his ailments. Gremlins 2, Spaceballs, and Godzilla vs. Biollante. Somehow, that trifecta did the trick time and time again. Now, Nicholas is no longer 10 years old, and since this isn't the Spaceballs podcast, we should just focus on that third flick, right? Godzilla vs. Biollante remains one of his top three Godzilla films, both because of its nostalgia factor and the fact that it's actually a really solid movie. Watching it now as an adult, he's really come to appreciate the mature tone and well-rounded characters. Plus, even when off-screen, Godzilla is a constant presence and threat, very similar to the Dark Knight's treatment of the Joker. The fear of his return drives the plot and is the catalyst for Dr. Shiragami's grief over Erika's death and the obsession on keeping her spirit alive, thus creating one of the all-time greatest foes in Godzilla history. And what a monster! Biollante is a feat in practical effects from design to operation. In a pre-CGI world, her tendrils move convincingly enough and you can only imagine the insane amount of wire work that made such realism possible. And though he is a believer in practical over digital, he does think Biollante is screaming for a modern update, aided by CGI. Kawakita's first stab at a Godzilla movie remains one of his finest. His new blood of special effects technicians infused fresh life into this tokusatsu genre with only a handful of shots that haven't aged well. Everything just works, including Biollante's stunning reveal. Godzilla's battles against the Super X-2 and his human encounters, another plot element that had rarely been attempted before and sadly, barely successful repeated in subsequent Heisei films. Koichi Sugiyama's score is another personal favorite, despite the budget limitations that forced the composer to merely write and record several musical suites that were then chopped and edited into the final film. Of note is the rock-slash-jazz-infused Bio-Wars, which Nick had a blast learning and performing the drum kit part for a recital many moons ago. Sure, it riffs on classic Ifukube cues, but it's so much fun. If anyone deserves another shot at scoring a Godzilla flick, Sugiyama is Nick's top pick. In closing, Godzilla vs. Biollante will always be a high point in the franchise, and to this day, there's no better film for him to put on when sick at home. Although, he will clarify that his viewing for this homework exercise was a rare well-screening. Four out of five stars. Sure as eggs is eggs. You're probably wondering what our next Daikaiju discussion subject will be. I'm looking at the schedule right now, and I see Matango is on the list, and I don't really understand why that's on the list because I feel like we covered that semi-recently. So instead of covering Matango for September, 
September's movie will be Terror of Mechagodzilla. I expect a lot of Godzilla fans actually have this movie, and so we're probably going to get a lot of homework about it. Please don't write a giant essay on why you love Terror of Mechagodzilla. Just follow our standard kind of format. We want to keep each review to a couple of minutes each. So please have that homework turned in by September 21st to be included in the discussion episode. I would like to thank everyone who came in tonight to watch this Godzilla movie with me. Also, thanks to the listeners for sending in your homework. It's always good to hear about how you fans out there feel about these movies. Uh, We're going to go ahead and close this episode out. So if you found the podcast through iTunes or some other podcatcher, please point your web browser to kaijucast.com where you can see pretty much everything that we're about. Every episode is online at kaijucast.com. The entire Daikaiju discussion schedule is up on the website. I sure hope you enjoyed all the interviews from G-Fest this month. We'll be back next month with another interview from Monster Palooza, but we're going to go ahead and leave you with TC System Standby from Godzilla vs. Biollante. We'll see you next month. Jamata.